welcome back to Bearing Fruit, the official podcast of the Washington State Tree Fruit Association. Thank you so much for joining us again this month. If this is your first time with Bearing Fruit, welcome aboard and please let all your friends know where to find us. So this month, we're going to revisit a topic we did a couple of months ago, and that is the backups and backlogs at our ports and exporting in general. But this time around, we're bringing in some of the tree fruit industry's export crop leaders. We'll be talking with the Pear Bureau Northwest's International Affairs Coordinator, Jeff Correa, and also with the Washington Apple Commission President, Todd Fryhover. We'll chat with them about how all of these challenges today are impacting their ability to export effectively and how they're handling all those challenges. But before we hook up with them, we are going to kick things off as we do every month with WISFA President John Devaney. John, welcome back to Bearing Fruit. Thanks, Bob. Well, you bet. So a couple of months ago, we talked with folks from the Northwest Seaport Alliance about the challenges they see on a daily basis at the ports in Seattle, Tacoma, Portland, and so on, and what that's meant to ag producers. This month, we're going to talk with folks from the pear and apple industry about getting our goods to foreign markets and talk specific challenges they're experiencing. And make no mistake about it, there are still plenty of challenges out there, whether you know, it's the port backups, empty containers, trucking issues, you name it. And, and now the cost of everything is rising. There's just a ton of challenges that these folks are facing, right? That's absolutely right. You know, the, the trade sector is critical for us. Our exports are usually around 30% of all of our tree fruit crops. Uh, and it is essential that even in such an unsettled environment that we do all we can to maintain those markets uh, for our growers. You know, we've been dealing with the, the effects of the pandemic, the effects of the, the, the port slowdowns and disruptions in international logistics that, that was precipitated by that, that pandemic, the overall economic uncertainty resulting from all of that and inflation, uh, along with now a somewhat major war in Europe that is disrupting the, the global economy. Uh, but growers know that, you know, you have to take what's thrown at you and try to make the best of it, uh, whether that's in the orchard or in the international trade environment. And our marketing organizations and promotion organizations are doing all that they can to make sure that we maintain and grow those export markets uh, so that when some of these uh, headwinds on the trade logistics front settle out, that we'll be able to uh, continue exporting our fruit to those customers overseas. Right. And I guess the timing was pretty fortuitous uh, with the new NAFTA, the USMCA, the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement. Right. And th those are those are our two biggest markets for our apples and pears. So uh, having some stability and predictability, at least on the trade policy front for those markets, is really important. We still have some transportation cost issues and, and equipment availability issues for both domestic and uh, North American markets. But having that predictability is definitely a help. And I have no doubt the folks that you talk to, I'm sure they're all very frustrated by all that's going on, but I'm sure they're navigating all the challenges as best they can, right? Yes, they are. And I think that we'll, we're going to hear more about from them about what they're doing to continue to grow those markets and make sure that customers know that we continue to have fantastic fruit available and we're, we'll find a way to get it to them. You know, the 
issues we already talked about that we've been dealing with are maybe not even the end of the things we'll have to contend with. Uh, we're going here into the negotiations of the West Coast labor contract for our ports. Uh, and they'll go into a cone of silence around those negotiations. But there's a lot of concern about will we see additional slowdowns or disruptions as a result of that ongoing labor negotiation for those West Coast ports. Um, hopefully, we will not have... Uh, that be as bad as it was several years ago when we had basically a complete shutdown of uh, of exports out of the West Coast for several months. Uh, but we are talking to our elected officials to make sure they understand how critical the situation is and that an already dire situation can't afford to get worse. Right. It would just be compounding an already challenging situation. Ex- exactly. Well, John, before we uh, move on to our next guest, did you have any additional thoughts you'd like to share? Could I add one other? Could I add one other thing? Oh, absolutely, always. Many of our growers uh, have experienced adverse weather effects in the past few weeks as we've had ongoing cold nights. Um, I want to remind everyone that if you are, you know, you're still assessing that damage, but as you it becomes clear uh, where you may have had tree or fruit damage or bud damage, that you're reporting that to your farm service agency office. Uh, is the process of reviewing your crop insurance claims is important, but also if there is going to be any supplemental federal assistance and disaster declarations, it's important that they know exactly how much damage has occurred as soon as you're able to fully assess that. So once you have, please do report that information to your county farm service agency office. Absolutely. And if anyone has any questions, just give you guys a call at the uh, Washington State Tree Fruit Association. Exactly. All right. Well, listen, John, thank you again for kicking off another podcast for us. We always appreciate you taking the time to stop by for a chat and we look forward to talking with you again next month. Great. Thanks, Bob. Bye. Take care, John. And so our next guest here on Bearing Fruit, the official podcast of the Washington State Tree Fruit Association, is Jeff Correa. Jeff is the International Marketing Director at Pear Bureau Northwest. And so, Jeff, this month, we're continuing a previous conversation we had about export challenges. But this time, instead of talking with the folks from the ports, we're going to talk with the Tree Fruit Association folks like you to get your perspective on the export problems. So at the Pear Bureau, you guys are seeing those problems as much as anyone, I have to assume, from what you're seeing and hearing from your members. What, what is the state of the export market from your perspective? What, what are the biggest challenges? Well, the challenge, I think, is probably everyone else has been speaking to is the offshore export markets. Anything that's going to get loaded in a container has to go out of SeaTac or one of the other West Coast ports and go out to Asia, down to South America, or out to the Middle East, those have all been heavily impacted. We're down about 30% to 70%, depending on the market from last year's. But that was such a small crop that we're really kind of down 50% to 85% compared to what would be a normal season. So it's been a big impact. We're really appreciative of uh, the volumes that Mexico and and Canada have been able to take and kind of offset that loss this season. So, are we at the peak of the problems or have we seen a, any sign of things getting better in any way? Uh, I think the challenges are still still out there. We've kind of moved past the issues because our offshore market windows kind of close up for the most part in February. So it's going to impact us for pairs. 
from September going into February, then offshore exports kind of slow down and we really just focus on Mexico and Canada through the duration of the season. But the challenge is still there. Just reading just the other day on the impact of uh, the lockdowns in, in Shanghai and what that's going to do through the whole global system and being able to get the containers out of, out of China. Right. And I know that we were at the winter meetings. Everyone was asking the questions, when God, when will we see some kind of normal again, whatever that is? And many of the responses were, you know, into 2023 or some as far out as 2024. What what needs to get better first, I guess, you know, to set things in motion and get us kind of pointed in the right direction? Well, uh, that is probably the, the million dollar question. I, I think there's so many aspects to what can get better. I mean, there's it's improving capacity, having to get the containers out of the port. There's multiple bottlenecks and they all seem to have popped up at the same time during these last two years. So I think that's, uh, that's a question that, that, you know, there's policy issues that need to be addressed. And I think Congress is starting to address those holding shipping lines somewhat accountable to, to the bookings that they're, they're giving out and not canceling those, improving the turnaround times that they're giving the shippers to get the fruit back to the, the ports. All those things are, are kind of impacting the ability to, to return to normal. Yeah, right. And you were talking about ports, you know, for our Northwest growers like Seattle and the Seaport Alliance. But I was hearing just the other day that the big challenges they're having down at the Port of Oakland, where they ship out all of the California goods, obviously, but they don't seem to be getting any better down there. And they're saying that some of these vessels are leaving with up to 75% of their containers empty. I mean, when you talk about the government getting involved, that sounds like, you know, something that needs to be addressed and the people need to be held accountable. I mean, that's a huge drawback. And I mean, come on, at least some of those containers should be available, right? I, I totally agree. Is I mean, it doesn't make sense for to be shipping containers back empty when there's products here willing, to, you know, that need those to send to their markets and buying away and it, whether it's they just can't get in and get get the containers offloaded and whether it's a, a port congestion issue and they need to move on to the next port it's not a simple answer and i think it's going to take uh probably a couple you know another year at least to, to sort these things out so whether it's god empty containers or the backlogs at the ports or trucks to get your goods to the ports for crying out loud the list goes on and on but in the meantime what i mean you just need what to make the best of it well it's as i mentioned previously we, we've kind of moved our focus to mexico and canada these two markets are, are serviced by, by trucks uh instead of um in going on shipping lines to, to get to those those countries so while the trucking rates have gone up we're still being able to, to, to ship good volumes into mexico i mean mexico's up eight percent um according to the customs data over over last year at this time. And Canada is about the same volume as we did last year. Um, so that, that's been, you know, between those three markets uh, or those two markets plus the domestic market, that's going to carry the water for us this season. Um, and it will probably be the same strategy looking at next season is that we're going to really, really rely on Mexico, Canada as the top export market and the domestic market to, to move the crop. So the new NAFTA or the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, that sounds like it's been not just for the pear industry, but for every ag producer, it's been kind of a, a saving grace for you all. No, definitely. For us, it, it's, I mean, Mexico's 60% of what we export. We have a huge reliance on that market. And if something were to be impacted 
by not having that that duty free access, it would be a big impact to to the growers, pear growers in Oregon, Washington. Yeah, and I know that every year, what is it, on National Pear Day in December, at least for the past few years, you guys have been doing what you call the Pears Around the World virtual tour. So, but I mean, getting pears to different markets everywhere is really important for you and God needs to get better, right? Totally agree. I mean, we are probably in terms of number of boxes, I was looking at the data earlier, we're probably about 250,000 boxes less shipped to offshore markets this year than last year. But last year was our smallest crop in maybe 25 years. Against the normal crop, we're about 630,000 boxes less. So we're not able to get the volumes out to those, well, not able to get similar volumes, even if we're able to ship to those markets. But in some markets, we weren't able to get any any pairs. And for that World Pair Day promotion that we do, we had to sort of skip a couple countries because we had no no pairs in the market. You know, we didn't have anything going to Vietnam, nothing to Indonesia. The pairs to Saudi Arabia didn't arrive in time because of long delays in getting the fruit there. So we had a couple gaps in our around the world promotion this year. So how are the growers handling all this adversity? I mean, are they just, you know, being as patient as they possibly can? Uh, yeah, I mean, they've been patient. I think we didn't have a very, I mean, a very large crop. I mean, it was a good size. I consider it a medium-sized crop. Of, it started out about 17.2 million boxes. Now it's settling into about 16.8 million boxes. With Mexico taking good volumes, Canada very strong and, and good domestic movement, we're selling the crop. Well, not great. You know, we're probably holding on to a few additional volumes that we would like to have moved earlier. But I think all in all, you know, the, the pricing's good. The returns to the grower are probably decent, not great. But we're getting through the season. I mean, it could have been much worse if we had a, a, a much larger crop and really needed to move those 600,000 to 700,000 boxes to those offshore export markets. And, and so it sounds like the theme here is until things get better and afterwards, obviously, the domestic market is being encouraged to buy up and enjoy Northwest pears. They're great taste, their health benefits and everything else that goes with that. Yeah, I, I think you say that for, for you know, both Canada and Mexico. That's, 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 that's our uh, promotional kind of message to the consumers there. And I mean, between those three markets, you're probably looking at nine, 98%, 97% of the uh, uh, pair sold this year. Well, that's great. So b before we say goodbye though, any other challenges the pair industry is dealing with that, uh, we didn't touch on? Not really. I mean, I think the exchange rates have been decent this year, so they haven't impacted us as much as in the past. Competition is a big issue out there and, and we're monitoring the situation with the Russian invasion and what that may have moving forward to next year because they, they, South Africa and Argentina and Chile may not be able to sell similar volumes into Russia, and that may push more more fruit into our competing markets in Middle East, South America, Central America. Um, but that's more of an issue next season uh, for us to to potentially navigate. Yeah, and I was talking uh, with the team over at WISFA the other day, and they were saying that they're starting to hear feedback now from the growers on the, those unseasonably cool temps in the snow that we had in April. I mean, are you guys hearing anything yet from the pear growers about the potential damages? Well, I'm not sure what damage. I just don't know if the bees got out there in a timely fashion and what crop will be set. That's what uh, was the predominant conversation we had at our our board meeting a couple of weeks ago. 
So I think it's still still a lot of uncertainty of where you know certain parts you know the there's so many microclimates within our growing districts, so some may be better than others. But I expect that there is going to be um, maybe a lighter fruit set for those that were um, more heavily impacted by the cold weather and snow. So if it's not the drought or, God forbid, a heat dome, it's got to be unseasonably cool temps or, you know, when it comes to weather, I guess it's always something, right? Yeah, it's it's never the same season. You know, yeah, it's, it's, there's always a new thing to, to, to deal with. Well, listen, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us today here on Bearing Fruit. I appreciate your time as always and look forward to chatting again soon. All right. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate it. You bet. Thank you. And up next, as promised, to talk with us a little bit more about export challenges is Washington Apple Commission President Todd Freihover. Welcome to Bearing Fruit, Todd. Thanks, Bob. It's a pleasure to be here. Okay, Todd. So we've touched on this in general terms with John Devaney and then with Jeff Correa from the pear industry. But now we're coming to you and we're going to get the apple industry's perspective. So let's start off with your challenges. Like everyone else, we're hearing, you know, about the empty containers, backups at the ports, truck or trucker shortages, things like that. What are the biggest challenges you and the apple industry are seeing when it comes to, you know, getting your apples to foreign markets? Right. There's lots of challenges, Bob. As you've already mentioned, you know, container availability is one. Uh, rising ocean freight rates is another. We're seeing ocean freight rates in some cases double to some destinations around the world. Um, inland freight costs, just the, the amount of money that it costs to get a container move from, say, Yakima to the port of Seattle and back, that has gone up uh, almost double as well. Um, and then in a lot of cases, it becomes, uh, like you alluded to, the, the efficiency of the programs itself. You know, how is the port operating? How much cargo do they have coming in? How much is sitting on dock? Can it move through the system? Does it get delayed a week? Does it get delayed two weeks? And then, of course, in a lot of cases for us, also one of the other bigger problems is that we don't even really see is that a lot of these container ships are transshipped. So they may go to one particular destination, then they're offloaded onto smaller feeder vessels, and then they go to their secondary location. In a lot of cases, we're seeing our containers uh, get delayed up to one to two weeks at that point in the system as well. So the exporting logistics is really creating a problem for our industry, um, you know, just from the standpoint that consumers are waiting for our product, but all of a sudden it's not on the shelf, or it takes a week, or it takes two weeks. So that's that's a big problem. Sure. And outside of Mexico and Canada, who tend to be our biggest trading partners, wh- where is the Apple industry's biggest market outside of those? Right. Yeah, you, you're exactly right. 40% of our product goes to Canada and Mexico. After that, offshore markets are our number one in volume market is Taiwan, um, traditionally taking Fuji's. And then a real up-and-comer and a bright spot for our industry is Vietnam. Vietnam would be a secondary. Yes, it's it's amazing, especially when you look at the varietal breakdown. It's just an amazing market. Uh, and then we're into Indonesia. And then as an aggregate, you know, you've got Central America. They play a significant role, especially pre-Christmas. So those are those are kind of the high points. Well, and I know that the foreign docks, you know, the foreign ports, especially during the pandemic, I mean, COVID outbreaks impacted those guys in the foreign ports as well. I mean, have you guys, the Apple shippers been running into that kind of problem too much? 
Yes, we actually are, Bob. And I think the the end result back to the grower is this, you know, we ship obviously perishable commodities and they can't just sit in storage forever. And we get delays of two, three, four, and five weeks, and then the product suffers, and then it gets on the marketplace, and then we, you know, are are struggling to have a good eating experience. So that's that's the thing that really comes back to bite us long term, is this uh, this fruit condition that can be impacted through delays in logisticals. Right, because shelf life is a big deal in this business, and you just can't let them sit indefinitely and wait for the shelves or the, you know, some markets to open up. That's absolutely correct. You know, we, we try, you know, the one thing here in the state of Washington, traditionally we export about a third of our products, you know, luckily for this year, we have what we would consider to be a moderate crop volume. So we can get by with a little less exports, but this year we're going to be below 25% and we haven't been below 25% in almost two decades. So logistical challenges, COVID, you know, for the last two seasons has really taken its toll on our industry. So what's the big thing that needs, you know, when we're talking about getting back to normal, whatever the heck that means, what's the big thing we need to see to get fixed to kind of get the ball rolling so that, you know, other things can follow suit that, you know, would really help out? You know, there's two areas that we need to focus on. One, of course, is logistics. So that's the containers, that's the vessel operators, that's the port operators, that's the uh, the port operators at the other side. I mean, we need to have some real efficiencies built in there. We have delays now. We have increasing costs. We need to get those costs, uh, you know, stable, if not starting to decline, to get us in a more competitive factor. That's probably the most important thing. But unfortunately, that is, you know, not just one place to go in and fix. You have multiple entities that have to all perform at the same time to create that efficiency. And it's just going to take some time before that actually happens. Right. And how are the growers, the packers, the shippers, you know, everyone along along the line? I mean, is everyone just making their way through this as best they can? Or are things happening, actually happening, changes to uh, help them adjust to these challenges? Well, I think that's correct. You know, when most people, I think sales groups in particular, they have a certain amount of export clientele and a certain amount of domestic clientele. And luckily, as we stated earlier, Bob, we do have a little shorter crop than normal. So there isn't as much strain on the export as what there could be if we had a 135 or 140 million box crop. So we've got a little bit of a reprieve there, but at the same time, you know, when we can't ship offshore or it's delayed going offshore, then we have three choices. We have, you know, the U.S. domestic market, which can put pricing pressure, and then we have Canada and Mexico, uh, which can do the same. So our focus here at the Apple Commission on the promotional side is to really emphasize Canada and Mexico moving into the future. Sure. And I asked Jeff Korea about this, so I'll get your take on it too. How about the new NAFTA, the USMCA, the US-Mexico-Canada agreement? Has that has that helped you guys out as much as it has for other sectors of agriculture? I think in principle, uh, we had it pretty good under NAFTA and we continue to have it well under this new agreement. So we haven't seen any real impact. The The impact comes on the phytosanitary side, pest and disease side. Uh, so those have improved, but in general, we've maintained great relationships with both countries, and it's been relatively seamless. I haven't talked to them in a month or so, but we had the Seaport Alliance on to talk about the new pop-up acreage that they're setting aside for ag exports. Is that is that something the Apple industry will be able to take advantage of? 
Well, I guess what I would tell you that in principle, Bob, the Northwest Seaport Alliance has done a very, very good job of communicating with our industry, finding alternatives, and opening up facilities. And they have been engaged and upfront, and we feel like we have a great relationship there. Uh, some things are, are moving 100% ahead. Others still remain to be challenged. You know, we have to get that cargo out of the ports. That's really the main constraint that we're dealing with now. But I have found Northwest Seaport Alliance to be a good partner in working to find these efficiencies for our industry. Yeah, and I know the Port of Oakland announced recently that uh, their pop-up facility, is it's there. It's ready to go. But their big problem is they don't have the containers or the vessels or enough containers and vessels available to ship the goods. I mean, it's very frustrating. Yeah, that is a challenge. And, you know, one of the nice things working with the Seaport Alliance, we've had conversations about off-dock facilities. And off-dock facilities being located strategically for our industry, maybe there's one in Wenatchee. Maybe there's one in Yakima. Maybe there's one in the Tri-Cities. So they're at least entertaining those options. Those obviously are not short-term fixes, but there is a longer-term perspective that maybe we can create more and more efficiencies for the ports as we move forward. Right. So moving forward, many people are looking to, what, let's 2023 or 24 before things, you know, begin to settle down. But is there any optimism as we kind of, you know, hopefully put COVID behind us. I mean, two steps forward, one step back. But, but I mean, are you guys seeing that change coming before too long? Well, I think in the immediate future, we're going to continue to see issues just because of what's happening in China with COVID and the logistical challenges that are associated with that. Uh, once we move through that phase, I think, yes, there is some optimism, but we're we're probably still at least six months away from seeing anything turn. I think the one thing that we can perhaps maybe count on is a reduction in freight rates. Uh, that seems to be ongoing. It's still not where it was before, but at least there's a little bit more flexibility coming into some of these markets as far as the rate itself and also the service, delivering the container to that particular port. Well, and that's a big one. I mean, the costs of inputs and everything else are just soaring. So I have to assume it would be a huge benefit if, if that was to improve. I would agree. And I would I would add this to another, maybe it's an opportunity, maybe it's a challenge. But the labor union, the ILWU, has a contract negotiation that begins this month for a new five-year contract that starts in June. So those discussions are going on right now as well. If those of us that have been around for a while, we remember 2014 where we had a lot of delays during the renegotiation of this contract. So we're we're trying to be optimistic, trying to get as much information to uh, the Northwest Seaport Alliance and PMA and the ILWU as we possibly can to keep those negotiations seamless and just move forward. All right. Well, listen, Todd, I appreciate you taking the time with us today. It's always good to give our listeners an idea of what's happening out there in the apple and other tree fruit worlds. And you've given us a lot to think about. Thank you so much for joining us here on Bearing Fruit. My pleasure, Bob. Thank you for the opportunity. You bet. And I'm sure it won't be the last time we need to catch up or reach out to get the latest apple news. Maybe, hopefully, something much more pleasant than these challenges. Sounds like a deal. I'd like that. <laughs> Absolutely. 
And that wraps up another edition of Bearing Fruit, the official podcast of the Washington State Tree Fruit Association. Please join us again next time when we bring you the latest news from the tree fruit world. Thank you all for joining us once again. And please tell all your friends where to find us. Until next time, I'm Bob Larson, and this is Bearing Fruit.